Welcome to the show, everybody. We have a very special guest for you this week. Uh, he is one of the, if not in my humble opinion, the uh, best, greatest uh, MMA coach to ever do it. Welcome to the show, Greg Jackson. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you? Thanks for saying nice things. Yeah. <laughs> Cue audience applause. <laughs> um you know, I, I like to always start the show off uh, just a really quick, brief kind of origin story for people because uh, people listen to the show that they've been training forever. Uh, they're brand new, so on and so forth. Um, you know, how'd you basically you start getting into martial arts uh, day one? Uh, I got into martial arts uh, where I was raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, had a very kind of uh, machismo atmosphere I was around. And so... Oh. <laughs> they didn't really care if they uh, if they could you could play soccer better than them or they could you know outthink you in math or whatever they just worried about if you could beat them up or not so okay. I think I'd better learn how to do that so I could uh, have some self respect and that's what I did. Amazing, yeah. What what better uh, motivation? Um, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I, I really like this. Uh, uh, I always love seeing everybody's got their own little different avenue of creating their own kind of style or system, so to speak. Uh, I believe like out of high school, you got, got, uh, Gaido Jutsu going, uh, <laughs> can you kind of go into your, your process to, I mean, I'm sure there's so much from then and now, of course, this changed, but you know, your process of getting into martial arts and more going to the professional side of things. Well, uh, so yeah, the, the um, the beginning of it was all just bait need based. I just needed to learn how to fight. Um, then I got pretty good at it and, uh, my friends and stuff were what, you know, would watch the fights or whatever and, uh, or train with them and spar and they were like, how are you doing the things you're doing? And so, uh, I started teaching them. I opened my first school in 92, uh, wow. just kind of teaching my friends and stuff. And then, uh, MMA came out shortly thereafter and we were doing a very primitive version of MMA, right? Like as mm -hmm. like, family of wrestlers. And so anyway, um, the Gracie family obviously were PhDs and I was in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, had a lot to learn, but that's been my career is basically just trying to figure it out. Um, the, when they came out, what's on my, I wasn't into competition. My students were like, Oh no, we want to go compete. And so I, said, oh. I figured we'd do okay. Um, but I never really wanted to be a coach. I just wanted to teach and have fun. Uh, and so, we ended up winning it. Those that was in the bare knuckle days when you never knew what rules were where. And <laughs> so we ended up uh, winning everything. And so of course, then they were addicted to it. And 30 years later, here I am talking yeah. to you. Yeah. You never know what path life takes you, man. Uh, I know I, I've uh, I talked to quite a few people back in those days. They're like, Oh yeah. Sometimes they're like wrapping brass knuckles in the table. Like, Whoa, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Where you're <laughs> yeah it yeah. Uh, was definitely the wild way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, now I definitely want to go to your training philosophies a little bit, um, but there's a, a, a particular side of you I, I really, really enjoy uh, above the rest is uh, just your mindset, you know, because everybody that comes in there as a fighter, whether they've been seasoned or, or brand new to it, everybody's got their own kind of um, uh, approach, I suppose, as a coach. Uh, mindset, what is, what is a good mindset or way people can approach that side of training? Uh, as far as like uh, getting into the uh, uh, competition. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, that you have to be obsessed, right? Like, it has to be your the reason you wake up and the reason that, uh, you know, you go to bed happy is because you either did well or you want to do better tomorrow. Um, but really, it comes down to if you want to compete, you, you, it's a, there's nothing but obsession. Like, you need to be 100% obsessed with it all the time. Think about very few other things. I, I encourage people to have balance, but uh, mm-hmm. really what is balance to a person so different people have different balances right some people are you know a little bit of athleticism and a little bit of this that makes them happy some people's balance is obsession of being kind of focused on that on the goal of being the best fighter you can be uh and if you are anything but obsessed you're you're just not going to make it Wow, it makes so much sense. I mean, you're all all in focus. That's another uh, lead. Says I really wanted to ask you this because I see it so much, especially in, in you know top level fighters. Is uh, you know the goal is I'm going to be champ at that at that weight division, right? But uh, you see it so much they they achieve the goal and it just like where do you go from there? You know, like what keeps that drive going? You any any thoughts on that prop mindset? Well, everybody has to kind of find that answer for themselves. Hmm. From- was just about making sure that I got as good at the process and continue to get as good as the process as I can. Um, so I, I think that that has to be the goal then to be the best fighter you can be, not necessarily championships. Championships are a great goal as a yeah. kind of manifestation of that. But really, if you okay. only in it for the championships, yeah, after you get and defend it a few times, you're going to lose your fire. So uh, just being the absolute best fighter you can be, is that's what you should be obsessed with, getting as much knowledge as you can, as much experience is the big deal, fighting as much as you can. And, uh, yeah, having that kind of that mindset of, like, I'm obsessed with this. This is my lifestyle. I wake yeah. up doing it, and I go to bed the same way again. And, uh, yeah, it's it, setting goals bigger than just, a, a belt around your waist, I think helps for longevity. That makes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, yeah. And again, keep it simple. I, like I said, you have such notable, uh, fighters, you know, obviously John Jones, uh, GSP has been on you, Holly Holm, uh, so many guys, uh, men and women have trained under you and, and, uh, really prospered. Um, I do before going in, uh, deep dive into like just coaching concepts. Uh, there is a crazy, uh, uh, story. Anybody has listening has not checked this out. You should definitely check it out. Uh, when John Jones uh, uh, goes to fight Mauricio uh, uh, to win the title, there was a altercation. Let's just call it uh, oh, yeah. be- beforehand. Can you kind of go into that a little bit because it's such a crazy, super crazy story? Yeah, we were in New Jersey, um, and the name was it Patterson. It might have been Patterson. Uh, anyway, uh, we're all we usually go before John's fights to a waterfall or something to kind of just collect ourselves and, you know, get away from everything for a little bit. And there was a little waterfall there. Um, so we were going there and I forget exactly how it happened, but, uh, I think a lady ran by us. No, a guy ran by us. A lady, I was getting out of the car and I just see, um, wink, winkle, John, my partner and John start taking off after the guy and something about he had stolen something. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess the party's on. So we ran after him, um, and the you know the the guy that stole stuff just picked a this was just his, a bad day for him. There's a little tiny hills in in that part of New Jersey, and so we were running up hills, which we do kind of for a living. Yeah. And, uh, John, of course, being John, got there first, tripped the guy, uh, and as he was getting up, he wasn't sure what to do, and so I tackled the guy and locked wow. him up down, and uh, yeah, we waited for the police there. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a it was a good omen, like we try to do a good thing, and yeah. uh, 
ended up winning the title that night, a couple hours later. So it was great. So insane. Cause every, you know, every just, uh, you know, certain before competitions, just like so laser focused on the competition. And, but I guess, you know, part of that too, is like you, you were uh, kind of mentally just settling and Hey, I guess we're doing this now. We're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, um, I mean, the nice thing about me is half my life is MMA and the other half I work with um, soldiers and police officers and stuff. And I have been doing that for a long time. So um, it wasn't completely out of my experience. Yeah. And that's amazing, by the way, too. Uh, another a great point you do, because I mean, if anybody needs that, uh, confronts those type of situations on a daily basis uh, out in the wild, so to speak, is officers, military, um, you know, it seems like they've, they've also grasped that as well, as far as incorporating, uh, more, uh, uh that jujitsu, uh, you know, self-defense fighting into training, correct? That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has to be very mission specific. It's what yeah. your job is. So with the police officers, a lot of it's just make working as a team effectively. So mm -hmm. that you don't have to hurt the subject or each other, um, or get yourselves hurt. So yeah, a lot, just figuring out how to do things the smartest way you can do them within the, your kind of your mission. Yeah, uh, is very similar to to mixed martial arts, where you have to figure out how to beat somebody, uh, given the tools that you have. So, uh, it's very similar to me, and and a lot of fun because it's not MMA, but it's still fighting. So yeah, I really enjoy teaching that stuff. Amazing. Yeah, I have a, a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu ensemble school in Illinois, <clears throat> and um, that's my favorite thing with officers. And uh, yeah, don't don't you see that the most too with their, them incorporating that training because if they're lacking that training, whatever experience they have or training that you have, so whether it's a taser gun or whatever, they're more likely to, if, if the situation's escalating, go to that, correct? Right. And, and being confident, I think helps out calming the situation down, right? Like if you know that you can handle yourself, yeah, you tend to not escalate things, but you can be a little more calm and try to deescalate it. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a great thing all the way around. Amazing. Now, you also have a great way of wording this. Uh, I've heard you in a couple uh, interviews um, where it's, okay, you take the fighter through the camp, it's fight night, and you like the word like it's it's 15 minutes of work, but it's a waiting game, correct? A waiting game? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, waiting absolutely. game. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you, uh, and you guys that have coached know that. Like, it's you hurry up to get there, then they hurry up and get you over here, and then you wait. And yeah, it is, it's, it is a... 15 minutes of excitement and the rest of it's just kind of hanging out. I mean, you got your warm, but not, but yeah, it's uh you have to have the fine art of hanging out before the, uh, the event. Um, and that I think is something that people don't see or understand a lot of, I mean, that you see the fights and that's all super exciting and stuff, but yeah, so much of it is just, uh, I tell fighters and it, it's kind of related to your question, but yeah, I tell fighters is, if they ask me about fighting, I say it's just disappointment. You have to deal with disappointment. The wow. disappointment of injury, the disappointment of your fight pulling out, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you lose. Like, if you can deal with disappointment, then fighting is your game. Uh, if you have, if you're a little too sensitive or disappointment seems to de derail you permanently, then yeah, it's not your game. So, really, competitive combat is just dealing with disappointment. I saw a great quote by um, Michael Jordan yeah. about all all his failures and that's why he's successful. And I, I was uh, very impressed with that. I said, yeah, that guy had that. Well, obviously he knows what he's doing, but yeah, yeah that's an insightful thing to say. That that's uh, very interesting. Yeah. Cause it's, it, it's either side. Sometimes you see a, a, a fighter. Um, he needs to be uh, like kind of calm down uh, too too anxious or whatnot. And then sometimes you even see some guys just like too relaxed. 
yeah. <laughs> Nerves hit you on both ways. You start yawning, and yeah, absolutely. Some people are really good about sleeping right up until the the competition, and that's just how they function. But yeah, usually you try to keep it right in the middle. You don't want to go too high or too low. And, and Greg, what do you think is uh, um, like a? Uh, oh, did you get cut? Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. You're good. Well, what what do you think is uh, just like as far as people that outside looking in uh, the MMA world? You know, people may were just a fan or get, getting into uh, uh, MMA is like a biggest misconception at, to become a fighter. You know, like, hey, whether it's like, hey, I, I'm going to be a fighter within a month or what do you see kind of pop up the most? And, and it kind of helps steer people with their mentality going into training. Well, I think that so you have to be careful with MMA because mixed martial arts gives you it allows you to have a certain lifestyle. Right. If all you're doing is training all the time, then you get accustomed to that. But you have to. And so sometimes, you know, instead of training, you'll play video games or do something else. But if you're going to live that lifestyle, realistically, again, it's obsession. You need to be training constantly all the time. It needs to be your job, but not like a job like a nine to five. And I think that's the biggest uh, mistake that people make is if you actually want to fight, there's no nine to five about it. You're in 100 percent all the time. Uh, again, you have to be you have to have a very uh very strong work ethic so if you think oh, i'll get into mma and then i'll train for a while and you know slack yeah. or whatever. so in addition to dealing with disappointment dealing with all that stuff you have to really make it a job that you can't live without like it it it, it can't just be work it's got to be an emotional connection to that uh process that you have of getting better and if you don't have that if, you, if you're there for instagram if you're there for yeah. whatever other reason Except that you'll find yourself drifting when you don't get the immediate feedback that you're requiring. Like you, you know, if you're, if the, you know, I'm not already thought of great, or I'm not getting fights. I mean, so many young fighters can't get fights, they, or they get one fight right. like, months before another one, and again, that's disappointment. So that dealing with all that stuff is and being obsessed with it still is really what it's all about. So if you think anything else but that. Uh, that's a misconception and it's cool at first to like tell everybody you're a cage fighter and do all your Instagram. Right. Stuff. <laughs> it's cool. Like you, you get respect, but eventually um, if you're not there for the right reasons, you will be exposed. Yeah. I mean, uh, we always say like proofs on the mat, right? You go out there and you can see right off the bat. Uh, and you have a, a beautiful Academy, uh, Jackson week MMA Academy. And, um, you know, when you get uh, uh, like a new guy coming in for fighting, like what do you what are you actually looking as as a coach, like uh, uh, out of a fighter? Sure. At this point in my career, I'm uh, you know I've, I've trained some great champions. I've helped yeah. turn their careers around. I've, I, there's not a lot left for me to accomplish other than mm -hmm. being very good at the process. So honestly, I look at talent and if they're sweetheart people like uh, Aaron Pico, I always bring up. He's just such a great guy. Uh, he's one of those guys that you just want to work with because he's such a good dude. Um, he's talented and he's a, a great individual. So th that's usually what I look for in, in a fighter is, are they going to be nice and, you know, appreciative and hardworking and talented? And if you check those boxes, then I will help. That, that's, that's yeah, short, sweet, straightforward. It's that simple, you know? <laughs> um, you know, and, and the other side of the coin too, is like some people looking, looking for coaches or schools or, or whatnot, uh, like, you know, cause the coach could in this example, help or hurt as well. Sure. Um, what are some good signs for people to look out for, uh, in that regard? 
when you're looking for a coach, uh, you need to you, you find somebody that you can follow. You have to have faith in them. Mm. Uh, and so that I think that's a big deal. The belief in your coach is kind of paramount. Now, if you're a person that, you know, the coach will help you out and then you move on to the next coach, and that's fine if that's how you want to go. Um, but it, you have to then make sure that you're looking for competency, like the coach is going to help you out to become a better uh, fighter. So it depends on really what, what your personality is and what you're looking for, but it consistently you want to have competency and belief in a coach. I think that's a big deal. Um, the signs to watch out for is if the coach constantly talks about themselves that you can, you can fall into a trap with coaching as you know, and many coaches know where you think you're the star of the show or you yeah. think you're the reason that people are, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm this accomplished individual. Um, so understanding that you're there to help your support, the credit goes to the fighter, not to you. Um, that kind of stuff you want to watch out for the fighters doing that. And then the other thing the, yeah. as a coach, you want to watch out for owning people like, Oh no, you, you know, I, yeah. I, helped you. I helped you that kind of attitude of like you're a slave owner or something. Yeah. yeah. That's something else you want to watch out for with people is that you, you don't want them saying, you know, like, well, I did everything for you and you're ungrateful because you don't want to work with me anymore. Anything like that. That's not, that's very self-centered for me. I would watch out for as a fighter. Yeah. I, I that's, yeah, that's red flag. Number one, right there. And you do hear horror stories, man. It's uh, uh, it, whether it's just MMA, jujitsu and other, other guys, uh, you know, other people listen or other styles, of martial arts as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, you do also speaking of like kind of, crazy stories with weight cutting there's this big subject of weight cutting fight what are some good tips for people not just weight cutting you know uh you know science behind or anything like that but um how do we what i know what fight weight i should go for you know things like that you know people helping them to, uh, decide what weight class to go in and then how to uh weight cut appropriately in that regard if you have a question about weight class go with a higher weight that you're considering and if mm. you're not doing well at that weight then you can come down the problem with starting super low is that you don't a lot of places to go lower uh, okay yeah so that's usually the way we do it um now you need experienced people to see okay well, if you're because it's really an individual thing some people can walk around at 200 pounds and make 170 without a problem yeah. so that's death um so it, it really is the individual um and then just being super smart about your weight cutting dieting down mm -hmm. i don't like doing more than eight pounds of water i mean you have to and there are obviously people that do much more than that, but that's a great dieting down to about eight pounds out, doing the last part in water, water loading the week before that kind of stuff is important. Uh, but, and then re having good rehydration protocols, that's yeah. super important as well. Um, and depending on your physiology and individually, psychologically, what you like to do. Um, so yeah, those, those are important things, but usually, so if you have a question, should I go 170 or 155? Usually, as, as if you're an amateur, go 170 as an amateur and see if those guys are too big and too strong, or you feel real comfortable there. Um, and if you're if these you're just getting out muscled, then drop down to 55. That makes a lot of yeah, because you got somewhere to go with this now. Right. Uh, that makes so much, and then you know. Uh, and yeah, the other thing is that, yeah, gaining experience. And um, you know what? What do you guys kind of focus on? We talk about mental game. There's obviously the the training technical side of things, but what about uh, like recovery? Whether not just because of injury, but like preventatives and things like that. What kind of things are good uh, for the guys to be focusing on? Well, one thing that I've learned uh, as I get older is that less yeah. is more in a lot of ways. Like you have to be obsessed, but you have to be also smart about how you're training. Okay. Um, 
know, constantly pushing yourself physically to running in the red all the time without actually training how to run in the red is a big deal. Yeah. That kind of, you should overdo it. Um, and then again, like I said earlier, you can underdo it too. You want to play video games instead of, you know, or getting high and playing video games before you, instead of a practice. Uh, those kind of things are traps. So finding that balance of your individual balance, some people can work out three times a day without a problem. Some people need to do, you know, more yeah. and longer. Two times, it, it's really individualized. Um, I wish there was like a little stamp that you could go, here you go, here's all the. <laughs> yeah. But it's so individual, and that's where your coach comes in to help out and help you analyze all that stuff. Um, but le- not training smart is much better than training hard. Uh, now, you need to train hard in order to bite down on your mouthpiece and know that you can right. run in the red, so to speak. Um, but if every practice is like that, you're going to break yourself down eventually. Um, so for longevity, again, you want to make sure that you – uh, have a balance of that and what makes sense to your physiology what makes sense to your psychology are you going to burn out in two years at that pace um, th- these are things to consider while when you're putting your schedule together um, yeah. periodized you need to have times where you're resting all the way right. from- you need to have times when you're not training a thousand million percent and then as camps ramp up you got to be able to train harder for longer I know, especially when you're, yeah, I'm uh, 41 now. So when you get past the young buck stage, that yes. <laughs> zeroing on the diet more and uh, yeah, oh my lord, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Oh no, <laughs> um, you know I want to go. You've been in the game a long time. Uh, I'm sure you've seen things change so much. Whether it's rule set, uh, the styles. I mean, you through like even the uh, like to like 2005. You see people are coming out. It's not. It wasn't just a conversation. Like, hey, this jujitsu uh, fighter has been working on his striking, or vice versa. Everybody's actually like coming up, equally training everything. So, what what kind of things have you seen uh, change in, in your time uh, frame as far as that approach? Sure. So, one of the interesting things is is the that the pendulum swings all over the place. Right. First, it was jujitsu guys, and then wrestlers, and then kickboxers learn to sprawl and brawl. So, you have these macro, these giant changes. Yeah. Um, and now it's small changes. It's you know, you putting people against the fence, lets them get up. So now we don't put people against the fence anymore. Or you do, and it's a hip shift. Or, so the changes here are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, but they're still there. Like you still see kind of revolutionary ideas and things and or yeah. of old ideas, that kind of stuff. But the changes are so much smaller now. Every bit is important. But you have to be a lot more educated in combat to understand, or in gladiatorial MMA combat, I should say, to understand exactly what is happening on the micro level. Um, Okay. But I think that's one of the biggest changes is I just keep watching the revolutions get smaller and smaller uh, as we kind of equalize out. Okay. But that... It's really cool to see that everybody's still innovating. There's so many people working on so many different problems. Um... So to see that innovation in tiny little things now is really cool. Yeah, there's something about that too. I mean, I know a lot of people like compare MMA because that's a uh, newer, I guess, in 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 history, so to speak, but to, compared to traditional martial arts arts. And uh, but there's a lot of traditional martial arts where they're trying to press things forward. But yeah, MMA is always like always evolving. Even jujitsu, degree like everything's always evolving forward. And I think that's a, a major contributor. Where do you kind of see things going? Just more of that, or do you see? Uh, more just game plan on the physicality side as well, or where do you see this going? 
That's a really good question. I, I think more of that. I think I don't know if we're kind of reached that limit yet. Um, and just because there's so many different arts to be good at wrestling, jujitsu, your ground and pound, uh, you know, your, your striking, your boxing, your kickboxing. Um, that you'll see, I think you'll see more and more kind of those micro revolutions in each one of those areas. Cause there's so many areas to improve. It's not like baseball where you basically are hitting a, a ball and running. Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, uh, how many, how many places on the back can you hit it, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, there, it's so much more complex. So I think that allows us a lot more room to continue to revolutionize. Yeah, I, I, or, or MMA, MMA baseball. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Prison rules. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to ask you. I mean, you've trained so many fighters, but you yourself, like, what's the um, like just the toughest injury you've ever had to overcome, and and how'd you get through that? Not just the physicality, but like the mindset of that. Because some people get sidelined with that, and and how to persist forward. Uh, so injury. I mean, the the ones my spine is pretty well done. That's why I don't grapple much anymore. But wow. um. um it, throughout training that's just you always get injured it's just is what it is now i come from a generation where we did not train smart uh if we got you know if we were sparring and we got a concussion we'd spar again the next day because you didn't want to be that guy that like showed up with boxers headache um but that i mean just dumber to bag of hammers right and same thing with you know if you hurt your shoulder or whatever you just wrapped it up and kept going on it like that so I'm paying the price for that, but my students won't. They're not, they don't train that way. They, when they have injuries, we address it. If they get concussions, we give them time to heal. So uh, I think that this generation of MMA fighters will have uh, the gift of their bodies in later life. Those of us that came up in our generation, maybe not as much, but you know, it, when you're learning something and figuring new things out, you're going to pay the price for that. And then hopefully the future generations learn from how dumb you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they continue to do smart things. So uh, it's not in vain that I think that, that we came up the way we did, but it, I wouldn't do it again. I'd yeah. try to, <laughs> if I ever get reincarnated. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hear you. Get some of them, uh, you know, the stem cells going here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One day they'll be it. One day it's like, hey, you, you're not allowed to tap because you just stem cell it. Um, that's right, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I think that's an uh, interesting side of things too. Cause yeah, you just definitely, you want to push hard and there's that tough, there's definitely you want that, right. The tenacity train that, but train smart. Cause yeah, you see, you just see it hand and hand over foot, uh, you know, Hey, my elbows kind of hurt me. My elbows hurting me. Uh, I think there's ways to train, right. Smart around that. You know, that's, yeah. These are great. We have some at the on site at our gym, uh, Dr. Bo Hightower and his entire team. So it's nice to have PT right there where if you hurt something, you, we just go upstairs and there's a great PT person that'll help you fix it. So as a professional athlete, I think that's a huge deal is that you need to, I'm a huge advocate of massages once a week, getting massages all the time. Um, go to PT. If you even, even if you just hurt something, have somebody on standby to help you work through it. Um, again, stay healthy and for as long as you can, that way you won't cancel fights. You'll have a lot longer a career if you really love it. And uh, yeah, when you're, Getting up to our age in the in the world, you're yeah. not going to be pain miserable. And and again, you're a professional athlete. Like you hear, uh, whether it's basketball players, football players, they spend just as much money, millions of dollars. You're right. Uh, it, it's so right. uh, important to focus on that. Right. Um, it, yeah, making that, being mindful of it, and making it out of one of your, one of your deals. Now, uh, as whether it's from. Uh, a coaching standpoint or just an athlete standpoint, who are some like coming up, some of your biggest influences? Influencing me. Uh, yeah. 
I try, I kind of learn from everybody. Um, what I really like now is watching, especially these young, hungry coaches that are, uh, you know, getting after it, and uh, it's very inspiring to to watch their energy. I really like it a lot, and the young fighters that are so excited about it. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's just be around that energy is very infectious. So I, more than anything specifically, they're saying because I guess I'm the old dinosaur on the block, and sometimes you hear them say something, and you're like, oh yeah, that's brilliant. I'm gonna steal that, uh, but. Yeah. It, usually it's just being around their energies is really nice. It's like a fountain of youth. It keeps you, keeps you motivated. That's interesting too. Cause like, I, I don't know. I just seen some coaches across the board. Uh, yeah. When they can kind of like closed off, this is what you do. This is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right. It's, it's better to not just be open-minded, but like, uh, add supplemental. Uh, isn't that a great recommendation? What would you say? Yeah, MMA forces you to do that. Like if you yeah. get closed off, they figure you out, and then the game passes you by pretty quickly. So uh, if you're not constantly trying to innovate or watch what other people are doing and doing stuff for yourself as well, being creative, yeah, you you don't have a choice in this sport. Like you, you can keep doing the same things you're doing. But people, man, there's a lot of sharp, sharp cookies out there, and they will figure out what you're doing. And if you don't have more tricks in your bag, that's it. You're irrelevant. So uh, that's what I like about it is it doesn't yeah. won't tolerate laziness. You've got, you constantly have to think of new ideas. Even if they don't work, just the process of thinking new ideas is great. And then um, the making sure that you're not closed-minded because the second you get that way, you're done. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's the other thing. Like, now, I mean, of course you can have fight tape on a fighter, a professional fighter who's got X amount of fights under him. Um, but like, if you're maybe more in a, a you know, amateur league, so to speak, um, or, or even self-defense, you know, you never seen this guy fight before. What I always admire the most about watching uh, your fighters and, and professional fighters in general is their ability to kind of like adjust as they go. Um, you know, you obviously have maybe a game plan, but it's, you never just stick horse blinders on on that. Do you go into your mind, uh, your philosophy on that aspect? Well, yeah, it, it is basically problem solving, right? That's what mm-hmm. you're doing. You're problem solving. So you're presented with a problem. You hopefully have got the, brought the tools that you need to solve that problem. And that's the fun of it for fighting is that it, it can be a rhythm. It can be angles. It can be many, many things, technique stuff. Um, but you're looking at, establishing something that's going to give you success and solving the problem in front of you. And so that can be the wrong game plan. Like in in the middle of the fight, you're going to have to figure it out. Um, And that as a coach is very important because you go with a game plan, you look for their tells and all that stuff, but then you also have to be ready for kind of a plan B like, well, what is this doesn't work? Like, where are we going to go and what are we going to do? That helps out a lot, but also um, just that the, uh, what's called an OODA loop where you're deciding, you're orientating, you're deciding all these actions. Um, being being good at that, keeping that polished is one of the reasons you want to fight a lot is because it's a skill that is perishable and yeah. a skill that is paramount for you winning. So just that's why sparring is important, like all of that stuff, figuring out. Sparring is important for rhythm and distancing and all this stuff too, but it's also important for figuring out what you're going to do with an opponent's style or a particular individual. Um, and so that keeping your mind sharp like that, where you're a great problem solver is really what it's about. Amazing. Yeah. And, and you, obviously you get uh, people brand new coming into to the business, so to speak. Um, they may have, you know, a lifetime martial arts by them, but maybe not fighting. Um, you know, what do you like to, what's a, a good game plan for people going into it as, as fighters getting interested as far as uh, getting, when do I, am I ready for my first fight? When am I, you know, 
yeah, because most guys I have talked to that uh, really are uh, dive into the coaching side of things, they're like, "Hey, if someone's brand new, maybe like four four years or so, you you can turn out a pro fighter, whether it's boxing, MMA, or whatnot." Uh, I'm sure it's different per person, but what what is your uh, mindset on that? Yeah, it, for me at this point, I pretty much only work with people that have come in with a lot of fights mm -hmm. already, um, and so that that end of it is more my end, but. Yeah, I, amateur MMA and doing jiu-jitsu tournaments and doing kickboxing smokers and boxing stuff, I think is all great when you're first starting out. Uh, I think it's it helps out a lot. Wrestling especially is, is really good. Anytime you can do for like kind of those old man wrestling tournaments or, you know, yeah. but anything like that that you can do, compete at, just learning to compete is the number one. If you want it, if you don't have any experience, learning how to compete is a big deal because so much of fighting is experience. It really is. And you can have these amazing, talented kids but if they fight somebody that's not as good a fighter as they, am, but as they are, but they have more experience, they'll most likely win, especially at a championship level. So uh, getting a lot of experience early is a great idea. Uh, and then don't be in a rush. The thing with amateur MMA is it's really, yeah. for me, it's, only, it's not about being an amateur. It's just about figuring out where your weight class is, what you do pre-fight, post-fight, that kind of stuff, uh, weigh-ins, all that stuff, figuring all that out. But as soon as you have that, there's no point in staying amateur. It's not like in the boxing world where you had like 100 amateur fights. You might as well start getting paid. So yeah. <laughs> uh, after you've got all those kinks worked out, then you, that's when you need to jump into pro. Because a lot of people are like, when do I switch to amateur, when to pro? When you have all your kinks worked out, when you have your diets down, your weight cutting down, your weight classes down, all of these things are figured out, then it's time to move to pro. Um, and you can do amateur MMA along with jiu-jitsu tournaments and along with boxing stuff. So that would be my suggestion. It's like stand-up comedy. You get good at stand-up comedy by doing stand-up comedy. You get good at fighting by training, learning, and then doing. Um, yeah, that's yeah, it's amazing, amazing advice. Um, yeah, I, especially going into uh, – you know, the, the training side of things because you got some uh, amazing books uh, over to yours too. Uh, Jackson's MMA, the stand-up game and the ground game, uh, and just kind of putting some you know your philosophies for people to check out. But I want to put you on the spot now, Greg, because I got you here in front of me. Because <laughs> uh, I, 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 you you've coached a gajillion fights, um, everything in between. Uh, if you could pull in whether it's one or two gold nuggets of like as a coach, your fighter. It's, it, I mean, it's a battle, and you're like, I don't. Like this, we're having a rough time and we, we pulled it through. Can you give me like some moments like that for you as a coach? Uh, that's funny. You should bring that up. Well, I usually use the Carlos Condit, Rory McDonald, because that's my favorite one. But yeah. uh, there's another great one that uh, Cub Swanson's getting into the Hall of Fame tomorrow night, I believe. Oh, that's right. I just talked to him about that fight. That was one of those fights where, um, you know, it was a razor thin, make the wrong move. Um, and it took every part of my experience and guile on the coaching side to guide him along that process. Now he, again, I don't get any credit for that, but for me, it made me feel good because I could feel the effects of what I was saying in the fight. And that's not always the case when you're a coach. Sometimes it is the case, sometimes not, but this one, I could really, I was connected to it. Um, and so feeling that was great. And that we won was great and that was such a close fight back and forth and we'd be in big trouble and we had to guide call out the right things because if we did the wrong thing we'd be in more trouble so those kind of fights are super fun where what you say actually matters and what you're doing does have a hand in the victory now again all the credit goes to both of those amazing fighters yeah but i was super excited to be a small part of it and that's one of those fights we had, we were talking this this morning uh that's one of those fights that was that um 
And so that'll always be in my heart. I mean, I'm so glad it's in the Hall of Fame, right? That'll oh, always, man. Yeah. But that'll always be in my heart. because, And I love Cub Swanson to death. He's one of the greatest human beings ever. He's just the sweetest, kindest person. Wow. Unbelievably tough. Great family man. You can't say a bad thing about him. Uh, and so having him being inducted into Hall of Fame in a fight that means so much to he and I and, and uh, Kami, his manager, and uh, Mr. Diaz, his boxing trainer, all these guys that uh, were there. Kami's passed on since, but uh, it, it was just a great night. And some of those nights you really hang on to, and it really, uh, uh, like, that's when you're done with that, you're like, that's why I do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it was yeah. so amazing. It was so such a challenge and to come out on the right side of that and to see your friend win. Yes, dream and his dream come true about you know winning on that stage is just yeah, uh, you can't you can't match that kind of a high. That's amazing, and and isn't it another thing as a coach like uh, I always I like uh, tell guys like like my, if you feel like you you're like you have a, a video game controller and you're doing yeah. every little every little thing like we we've kind of lost already right like right. Um, you know like what are some good uh, like you said when you're you're just connected and that's working as uh, guys who are uh, coach side of things um, or guys being coach, of course. Uh, what, what, what is that rapport like uh, fight night while you're fighting? So it, the, as long as you have good respect for your fighter and your fighter has good respect for you, that's going to keep the communication open. And then uh, just making sure that you've done enough film study so that you and to see the future now, right? You can't like I can actually see the future, like what's going to happen. But you've watched their patterns so much that you know what they're going to do when they start doing certain things, and you're like, oh, here comes this kind of a strike. Oh, here yeah, comes that one. Always oh, trying to do this as we saw him do before. So that that's real good. But when you have that real connection where your fighter is hungry for what you're going to say to him, he's not just blowing you off or doing whatever, and you're actually saying things that will help. Um, yeah. And then they go out and execute that. That is a well. Uh, oiled machine that is a well a corner that is is doing its job um and again that when you do that well it is hard to beat that feeling that rush is like being in love or sex or anything like yeah. that it's just this real high that's that's it's hard to, it's hard to uh it's hard to top it um and so that's what your your goal is because then you're really in the process and you're doing your job incredibly well so that's kind of your goal that's what you're after that's that's amazing. I love that comparison to guys. It is like that. Whatever that rush, whatever that is, that lightning in the bottle or something. Yeah. Uh, um, now, uh, you know, and I wanted to touch on this subject real quick. Uh, you know, because people can be really like, "Hey, I came up in this academy, uh, whatever style they're doing." You probably know where I'm going with this. Is like, uh, am I loyal to the school? Am I going to another school? It's my career. Uh, making this choice to go elsewhere or stay. Uh, and you're in the big league. So is that like being traded as an athlete? You know, what is um, uh, that vibe like? Maybe it's more, more of a business side of a question. Uh, yeah. change. I, mean, I, I think that the real thing is as a fighter, you need to be having value where you are. And so I don't take it personally. If somebody, right. we don't click right away, then they go somewhere else. Hey, that's absolutely fine. Um, if we've trained together for years and you feel like you're stagnant and you need something to shake it up, that's fine too. I don't own anybody. I don't, nobody owes me anything. And I don't owe them anything. So, um, I mean, outside your family, et cetera, I mean, for stuff. So man, if they want to work with you and they're excited to be there, that's great. If they want to go try somewhere else, that's great. Um, I'm not a person that is, I'm not massively insecure. I don't need you to like me. I don't need to feel included. And well, if you don't include me, then you're never going to accomplish anything. Uh, right. 
that's ugly. I don't want mastery over people. I think that's ugly as well. Uh, I just want to help them along their journey. And if they feel that, then that's great. And that's the attitude you should have because people will leave you. You can be the best coach ever, much better than me. And uh, it's just, it's human nature. It's going to happen. So you can either embrace that and try to be a positive force in that person's life for the time that you have. Or you can try to hold on to them tightly and worry about, well, if they leave, you know, they're jerked whatever um and that's just not how i choose to live my life well that's also like a, a a personal thing as a coach you know you don't want that mirror next to you like dosh gone if people like me yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and people are yeah exactly people are not gonna like you like that's just the way it is like especially fans because you're i'm yeah. <laughs> not entertaining, so i don't really have to put up with much of it but yeah. uh the yeah like that your job is to be hated or loved or whatever it is that the person, it's a reflection of the fan. If the fan's angry, it's going to want to hate things and hate you. And, and that's the expression. That's just how they get out all that stuff. But listen, I'd rather be hated by a fan and then be nice to their kids than angry, beat the crap out of the kids and loving me. So yeah, like that's my, our, our great friends at the tap out clothing company years ago said here for you to, uh, they were but again, that's just fan. I mean, you as a human, if you're feeling angry, you want to put that somewhere, and so that's what yeah. entertainment is. You go to watch villains and heroes, and, uh, and if you don't, there's no real villains and heroes. Then you can just find something you hate about the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these giant ears. You can hate them yeah. all day. You know what I mean? Like it, it's arbitrary, but it is cathartic for people to either love fighters or hate them or whatever it is. We're invested, and I'm glad you brought that up. That was literally my next uh, topic. Was you know there. there Okay, there's, this is a career for somebody. This is a fight game, but it's also a form of entertainment, and that, that's a very important factor. And I would only imagine I've not been on this side of things at all uh, in this regard. And that is for your fighters that you may be going through that is they are in the limelight. They are the the star. Uh, what I'm sure there's just the, um, maybe unbearable pressure behind it to stay relevant instead of being a boarding interview. Some people go to uh, like McGregor route and they're like just spouting all this shit off. Um, you know, it works. So what, what is that like that stress factor? Cause it is a factor dealing with their career. Oh, no doubt. And really when you come down to it, once you've established yourself, it's just dealing with pressure, right? So these fans put tons of pressure on you. They're so mean. If you lose, they're so, uh, they don't like you if you win. There's a lot of that stuff. And some of them love you if you win. Sometimes it's how you lose. Um, there's no real formula to getting everybody to love you. So as a fighter, that's kind of your job is to be an entertainer, right? Like, so yeah, social media, you have to do like, that's all part of your job. Uh, you have to engage with fans. You have to, uh, these are job. these are things that entertainers uh, is a prerequisite for entertainers, right? So dealing with that, if you can deal with everybody's expectations and letting everybody down and being okay with that, uh, you'll be fine. But yeah, dealing with that pre-fight pressure from reporters, from social media is such a hard thing. I think it's harder to be famous now than it ever has been because people, I mean, nobody, you know, in the old days, oh, he went, you know, you find out these entertainers were all being entertainers and sleaze bags or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but now everybody, in order to be, like, in order to be thought of as wise, you always have to be cynical. So, like, oh, no, he cheated for sure. Oh, that guy's a jerk, you know. Because if not, you look like you're a fool if you're not super cynical about the world, which it's not the way you should be, but it is what it is. And so that, I think, dealing with social media pressure, dealing with the pressure yeah. of the reporters is a huge factor, especially the higher you get. And when you find yourself yeah. fighting not to win, but fighting to protect what you've already got, that's when you're in trouble. 
that that yeah that's a great way to word that it's uh yeah because most people like you said it's the outside looking in and you don't you're you uh you're the fan uh fan there you maybe you're training but you see that and you're it's one you know you gotta be on weight you gotta be have the training and you have the fight tape you have the mind game and then of course uh pr- you know fright night there's a revving up of that and you're in another state or country but uh but then you got the press junkets in the <laughs> And I've seen those just rude people, just like just having to deal with it over and over and over the same eight questions. Yeah, they get burned out, or, or they want to get the uh, ref some get the drama going or something. And right, right, yeah. right. So people embrace that, but and that's great. And I, I actually have a lot of respect for people that are good at it. A- any kind of entertainer, um, yeah. just because it's such a skill to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, as we're wrapping up here, Greg, I, I really appreciate your time, man. It's been amazing. And by the way, I love to someday come out and train with you. It'd oh, be, uh, absolute honor. Not like I'm going anywhere. So, you, okay. Albuquerque, I'll be. <laughs> come on out. Actually, I, I'm starting to take uh, the interviews on the road too. So, it'd be oh, great cool. to do do both, man. Um, but as as we're kind of wrapping up here, what kind of future? Uh, you mentioned a little bit in the beginning of the interview. Uh, you know, kind of futures a little bit. Uh, what you're looking to do? What kind of future project goals? Like where you want to take things, start things. I don't know. Maybe we see on reality TV again. You never know. Where are we going here? Uh, I, politics, I think I'm going to look into just because I want to try to help the people a little bit. Um, so I think I've been very self-centered. Up. I mean, I give. I don't charge police officers or military people to train them. So I try to give back a little bit, but that's so small, you know. Um, yeah. I like to get into figuring out how I can solve, again, solve problems. So I'm not getting in politics to, like, push a huge social, like, yeah agenda or anything like that. I just want to solve the problems that we're facing um, and get to the best of my ability and, and see if I can do it. So I think down the road, four or five years, I'll probably be making the uh, transition there. Wow. I'm always going to coach though. Like I can't not do martial arts. I'd, I'd yeah. be a very good person to be around. So I'll always coach even if I, uh, whatever political office I decide to move for, uh, wow. I won't, I'll never get out of training fighters. Wow, that's so that's so amazing though. Yeah, I mean, not only if you have the the platform for it, of course, but uh, yeah, having that that uh, groundedness you have and everything that's that's amazing to hear, man. I really appreciate that, guys. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having uh, Greg on the show. Uh, definitely go check him out. I'll put some links up, of course. Uh, is there anywhere you want me to steer them specifically, Greg? Oh, the gym has a website, all the social media stuff. So I'm sure you're more educated about it than I am. Uh, but yeah, go there. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. No worries, boss man. My pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things grappling, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We also take topic recommendations, so feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram or Facebook pages for that. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train at our academy, Olympus Jiu-Jitsu. Until the next one, keep training.